Hey everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. In less than three weeks, voting in the 2022 general election will begin. Election day is November 8th and voting begins a month before. To help you prepare, the News Fix is pivoting to election coverage. We'll begin today with California's 48th Congressional District. It's a newly redrawn district which covers much of East San Diego County. Stephen Houlihan is a Democratic registered nurse and former Santee City Council member. He's challenging Republican Representative Daryl Issa, who is seeking his 11th term in Congress. The congressman declined an interview with the Union Tribune editorial board. In this episode, you'll hear from Houlihan on issues such as inflation, education, guns, immigration, and more. Here's an excerpt of Houlihan's discussion with the editorial board on August 25th. The full meeting, as well as our election guides and endorsement guides, are online at sandiegouniontribune.com slash opinion. Today, the Union Tribune editorial board is joined by Stephen Houlihan, a candidate in the 48th Congressional District against uh, the incumbent Daryl Issa. Stephen, thanks uh, for, for taking the time today. Let's, let's start with why would you want this job running against who, uh, someone who remains a popular incumbent in, in the district? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, I've lived in this district my entire life. My, I, I've lived in the 48th that was once the 50th. I grew up in Santee. I travel all over the 48th. I, I love to mountain bike and, and do all sorts of uh, wonderful outdoor activities. And I believe that I can represent this area uh, much, much better than the, the incumbent. Um, reason being is I, I know the area. I actually live in the district, which is a huge difference between me and, and the incumbent. And I, I really do love the, the area. Um, I'm a former Santee City Council member. I served from 2016 to 2020. And uh, Santee has a reputation for, for being a, a very red area. And I was able to be elected um, based on the issues, uh, based on um, exploration of the issues, based on, on running on the issues. And I believe that that gives me a huge opportunity in this district because the incumbent basically is on the opposite side of just about every issue. Um, you know, whether it be um, against um, the Roe versus Wade decision, which uh, is highly unpopular. Um, you know, I, I am a pro-choice candidate. I'm a registered nurse. I have been for 25 years. Um, I believe that's hugely important. I am also a big believer in our constitution and I believe uh, the events of, of January 6th um, were, were a direct violation of our constitution. And, and I do believe that the incumbent actually violated his constitutional oath um, to uphold the constitution. Um, so, so on and on and on, um, so, so many reasons why the incumbent has, has failed to represent us. Um, also the, the, the former um, representative failed to represent us and so a lot of it just goes back to corruption. There, it just seems that there is this, this issue of corruption and it, it crosses party lines. So I, I don't wanna go on for too long, um, but I'll try to you know, be, be uh, more succinct. But this is a huge, a huge issue of corruption, of lack of representation within uh, California's 48th. 
Well, and to be clear, when you say corruption, you're talking about Duncan Hunter, not Daryl Issa. I believe uh, I believe they're both corrupt. How do you say that Daryl Issa is corrupt? Well, I would say uh, during um, the first round of of the uh, the payment protection plan loans. Uh, it's well documented that Daryl Issa took over one hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars in in bailout for one of his real estate corporations, and then he he turned around and put that same amount of money into his campaign. Uh, that's that's not right. That's not right. So you know, doing these sorts of things and then crying a foul um, and voting against providing that same uh, sort of um, uh, help for everybody else when when there was a uh, the second round of coronavirus. Um, assistance was to be sent out to the individuals, he voted against that. So so he took the money in the beginning, but then um, when it came time to help his constituents, he voted against it. So. so to be clear, are you saying that he took that money and funneled it to his campaign? Daryl Ice is a very wealthy person with far more than $150,000. Is there any evidence to back that up, that he, that he took $150,000 for business and didn't use it for such? I, I don't know what his exact business um, practices are, but I know that I know that he's got a long history of shady business practices. What let's talk about um, uh, some some of your uh, background, some of your ideas. What 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 do you see as the biggest challenge, both for the district and the nation at this moment? Well, for the for the nation, it's it's protecting our democracy. Uh, we we are going in a a bad direction. Um, as far as um, people are losing their ability um, to vote by being disenfranchised. I, I believe that we should not be disenfranchising voters. I believe that there is a, uh, a, a, a component of, of radicalism um, that's occurring, um, especially um, in, in areas of where there's a, uh, what, what is considered maybe conservatives, um, that maybe there's some misinformation, um, things of that nature. And so, and also that's an issue in, in California's 48th. Um, during the um, beginning of the coronavirus epidemic, um, here in my hometown of Santee, an individual wore a KKK hood over to the Vons grocery store. He felt that emboldened. And that's a, that's a terrible reflection of, of this area and of our nation. Um, other individuals went to the Food for Less um, and when they wore their masks, they, they put Nazi swastikas on their masks. And so not only is, it, is this issue of, of white nationalism a problem uh, nationwide, but it's a problem here in the 48th. And it's always been a problem. And so I've always um, been willing to, to speak out against that. And so, I mean, this is, this is a huge issue. And so I, I personally believe that um, disenfranchisement of voters is, is wrong. It goes against our, our constitution. Uh, I believe in the equality of individuals of all um, nationalities, all creeds, all religions, uh, gender, and uh, sexual preference. And so right now it seems that um, there are some that might wanna take away those rights from those individuals. Oh, let me, I'm gonna kick the mic to my colleagues in a second, but I do wanna ask, we have a lot of questions about issues, obviously. Thank you for um, your replies and, and your written Q and A's to us. Let me ask you about climate change, because obviously we're talking uh, today on a day when the state of California is uh, uh, poised to take a pretty big step towards eliminating um, gas powered cars. There's serious questions about the ability to make that journey with inflation, supply chains, um, you know, the metals we need for batteries, 
the industry's ability to churn out cars at that level, people's ability to buy those cars, which is a hugely open question when electric vehicles currently cost $65,000. So I guess, how, how do you balance the need to have a greener economy and a greener world with the economic realities kind of um, standing in the way of, of that? That's a, that's a great question. Well, you know, I, I already have a, a track record of, of being an environmental champion. I'm, I'm the president of Save Mission Trails. And just, um, just a little less than a decade ago, we stopped a gas-powered um, power plant from being put at Mission Trails Regional Park. We were able to reach across the aisle to, to both um, the, the right and the left. And uh, we, we stopped that infrastructure from being built. Uh, which was a with $500 million um, of infrastructure that would have lasted well over 20 years. Um, fast forwarding a few years, there was a, a gas pipeline that that there was the, a desire um, by SEMPRA yet again to increase um, fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, it was the uh, Rainbow to uh, Mission Trails or Mission Valley gas pipeline. And again, um, we rose up, I led the charge, we stopped them from putting in that infrastructure. And, and with both of those um, infrastructure um, plans, um, there was lots of threats of, you know, we weren't, we couldn't do it, um, that we needed more gas, that we needed, you know, that when the sun isn't, isn't um, up, then our, our electricity would run out, but it's just not true. And so what we've done is we've created inertia. In Santee, I went to uh, all the, the school districts and they put in solar in all the schools, uh, to the colleges, they put in solar. Uh, we put in uh, all the all the businesses, all of the uh, homes. And so what you have to do is you have to create that inertia now. If we would have been doing these things back in the 80s when we first knew that we were heading towards these crises, uh, we would be there. And so there's so much misinformation about what well, we just can't. It's not true. Uh, it, it actually creates uh, economic prosperity uh, when you do help um, people make that transition. So instead of putting in all the money into Semper Energy into their shareholders, uh, we help out individuals who are putting solar on rooftops. And so we also need to do the same as far as subsidizing uh, electric vehicles, subsidizing electric vehicle charging stations, and stop subsidizing fossil fuel, uh, destructive fossil fuel industries. And so we've been, we've been subsidizing them for as long as, as can be imagined. And so um, we absolutely can. Uh, we can um, create um, technology um, within the next, we're looking at 13 years out um, to 2035 um, and meet those and, 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 and meet those goals. And it's not a matter of, um, you know, a decision on whether to do it or not, because the economic um, ramifications, especially for an area like San Diego, is that the, uh, the ocean will rise. Um, there will be storms. Uh, the bluffs um, for many people's homes will be will continue to wear and um, and their homes will fall into the ocean. Uh, downtown San Diego will go underwater. And so it only makes sense to go forward. And so you, when you have people like Daryl Isa who are taking all their money from the fossil fuel industry, from the NRA and um, and doing all those things, which maybe they're not corrupt, but they're just it's the wrong direction. And so we just have to continue to speak out for what's logical. And what's logical is we need to make that, we need to go in that direction. So it, it absolutely makes sense to me. 
I want to switch gears and ask you about immigration. Um, Santee has a growing number of uh, people of color, a lot of Latinos in Santee, some of whom might not be able to vote or some of whom might be part of the DACA program. What would you say to those folks living um, in your district um, about the future of immigration in the United States? Great question. Well, my, my wife is Latina and my, my child is, uh, is a, a mixed race. And uh, I absolutely uh, support uh, individuals of, of color, of, um, you know, of, of all uh, nationalities. And so immigration is really important. And so what happens is it gets made into a political issue. And I've lived in San Diego my entire life. The border has always had these issues. It's not something that just happened with one administration. This is this carries um, past all administrations, and you can't necessarily necessarily just build a wall. Um, you know, with a with a taller wall, just means uh, more trauma from the people that fall off of that wall. Uh, we have people that are they're coming here. Um, they're they're not going to stop, and so we need to have programs um, that that lead to um, successfully bringing them in and into our society. Uh, DACA, immediately we should move forward and they should be made citizens. Um, these individuals have been put in a limbo for sometimes 20 years. They can't move forward in their lives. This is ridiculous. I would say, if you were to say, you know, in Santee, which has a bad reputation, I'd say, stop fearing. You, you need to not be fearful. And you need to get behind people like myself who don't fear. And we need to stand up against them, uh, against those that might want to take away your rights. Uh, we need a pathway to citizenship for individuals. Um, from, you know, and it, it, of course, like we have, you know, um, people from, say, the Ukraine, um, they're often um, accepted right away uh, because of their situation. But there's people from South America who are um, fleeing all sorts of other um, terrible situations um, that should um, be given the same opportunity. And so we need uh, basically complete immigration reform. It makes sense. And it makes sense um, economically. Uh, the reason why we have a terrible problem with inflation is because we don't have workers. And so we need workers and we need workers of, from all levels. I'm a registered nurse and many, many doctors I work with are from all over the world. They're from all over the world. Uh, we have a shortage of engineers. Uh, we have a shortage of, of also agricultural workers. And so uh, we need to welcome them in and we need to create um, an immigration court system that doesn't keep people stuck in bad situations. It makes financial sense. And so uh, we need the modernization of Farm Workers Act. Uh, we need a pathway for citizenship for critical workers. Uh, I'm a registered nurse. Uh, much of our, our registered nurse um, workforce are from the Philippines. And so we, we can do this, we, we already have. And so uh, it's just a matter of, of stop politicizing it. People like Daryl Liza run down to the border, cry a foul, but he's been in there for 20 years and he's done nothing except make it an issue that's perpetuate. It's just a perpetual issue. And it also leads to racism. And uh, that's another huge issue. So, um, you know, holding um, brown, black and indigenous people as um, and using uh, racist dog whistles against them is simply wrong. It's immoral and it's inhuman. On the topic of guns, you spoke in your Q&A about wanting to ensure the right to bear arms, but also being willing to um, push for certain restrictions. So I'm wondering how far would you be willing to go with restrictions on guns and do you support an assault weapons ban? 
Abs- you know, the thing about the Second Amendment is it talks about a, a, rel- a well-regulated militia. And so selling a AR-15 to an 18-year-old, that is not the intent. And so absolutely, uh, we, we should immediately stop selling um, submachine guns and, and automatic weapons to young people. This is ridiculous. And the carnage that, that's occurring into, at elementary schools is unacceptable. Um, I just, my, my son is 12 and he just went back to school and I can't just stand by and, and allow this to, these things, this carnage to happen at elementary schools when there's a risk for my own son and all the, all the boys and, and that I've coached over the years, that their life could be at risk. And so when we had an assault weapons ban um, that was brought in the 90s, the, the numbers of mass shootings went down significantly. And so we need to do the right thing and, and we need to stop selling military weapons into a civilian um, society. This is, it's ridiculous. Now, I also, as a traveling nurse, I, I lived up in Alaska. I lived up in, up, up in the Arctic. And so there is a time and a place where having a firearm makes good sense uh, when you're in an area that is, um, you know, the habitat of, of grizzly bears and, and polar bears. But guess what? There aren't none of those here in San Diego except for the San Diego Zoo. And so it's absolutely unnecessary in our environment to have these sorts of weapons. And then in, in Congress to hear uh, congressmen and senators justify the need for automatic weapons and assault weapons because they need to go shoot prairie dogs and these sorts of things to clear their land. That is a terrible argument, especially um, when we just had these, these terrible, uh, this terrible situation in Texas where so many children were, were massacred. And I'll take it one step further. I'm a, I'm a critical care registered nurse. I have seen and taken care of many, many in, uh, hundreds of individuals who have been the victims of being shot and, um, and died. And so I, I've seen it firsthand the, the, uh, the, the, how terrible it is when someone is shot and, um, and when, they do, when they die. I've seen officers of the law um, shot. I've seen uh, individuals, um, you know, who had nothing to do with the situation who've been shot and also people who've shot themselves. Um, so we need to expand things like mental health services. We need to um, have smart gun regulations, but I'm not saying we should take away every single gun from every single individual. It's impossible, but I, I do support an assault weapons ban. It, it only makes sense. We, we don't need it. We, we don't, we don't, we don't need it. So I, I, I think that California, um, we, we could have um, laws across the nation that are similar in, to those that we have in California. Joe Biden's student loan proposal came out yesterday to initial uh, broad cheers from part of the political spectrum. But as the day wore on, uh, the biggest critics of the measure by far uh, were moderate economists and moderate Democrats who said, how can you possibly call this fair to single out a certain group for help in an America in which so many people are struggling? A survey that came out last summer showed that 25% of American households have zero savings, zero savings, and that this group was concentrated among those who do not have college degrees. So what do you say to the argument that cherry picking one group for heavy relief at a time when so many households are hard up is not fair? It's, a, it's a, another great question. 
you know, when when a in politics, when someone comes out with a an issue and, and a solution, and it, it kind of it, the people to the right and the left aren't too happy, a lot of times those are the better solutions. And so, yeah, we could say that everyone, you know, many many people are hurting right now, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't help anyone. And so, this is just one of of many um, programs and and proposals. It's not even you know the ten thousand um, dollars. It's not a massive sum when college can cost upwards of a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand um, dollars. Student loan debt has has been made into an industry, and so really, what needs to happen is we need to get to, to the crux of the problem. Is that basically the youth are being uh, put into these ter- into terrible debt for their college educations? And then, um, but when they're going to, to high school, we, we sell it as you have to go to college to be successful. And so I believe that community college, um, it was cheap when I went to community college. It, it should be, it should have stayed that way. Um, so to go to, still to, is, to no still problem is. with going to college, community, go ahead. Community college tuition is, infl- is a salary is wage adjusted. Community college is essentially free for, uh, for, for people who don't make $40,000 a year. So Community colleges have not gotten more expensive in California over the years. Well, and then if you look at, I went to San Diego State University uh, for my uh, for, for to get my bachelor's degree, and um, it, it has become more expensive. So we, we need to look at um, uh, at adjusting the increases in tuition. It should be it should actually be kind of locked with inflation, and it shouldn't it shouldn't go up rapidly. But then those that go to private schools. I don't know that there should, you know, if you chose to be a lawyer and 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 you went to private school, I think that private schools should have the option to charge what they will. And so uh, we should look at the state-run colleges like the UC system, um, the San Diego State system. Um, they should make it reasonable um, for those to go to school. And like you said, not only is uh, community college hasn't gone up so much, it, it, community college should be free. It should be free. And um, to give a, a ten thousand um, uh, dollar amount back, if you look at the first coronavirus um, bailout that was given out to businesses, they gave out billions of dollars to businesses who uh, right now are making the most incredible profits um, and and likely um, price gouging all these individuals. So again, I, I believe that it's probably not a, not as bad as as um, everyone has set out to say. Um, inflation is a is a problem. Um, where we don't have enough workers. Um, a lot of the problem was brought in by the coronavirus, um, the pandemic, supply chains were, were hampered. Um, people weren't able to go to work. And so if you look at a place like, say, uh, Turkey, their inflation, their, the rate of inflation was like 25%. This isn't something that's just happening in the United States. And so when people try to say, oh, well, um, when you try to help out the common man, you're just increasing inflation. It's just not true. It's just not true. Um, more more money was spent in bailouts during the Trump administration, and and none of that was even tracked. And so it's I I believe that a, a, the ten thousand dollars is probably um, will have a marginal, if any, in, in influence on inflation. But I also believe in helping others too. I believe that it's just one of of many programs that should be um, very thoughtful in helping others. And also it should be audited and, and it should be, um, and we should make sure that it's not done in, in the way that the first rollout of the Coronavirus Relief Act was, where it was just money for free. Uh, people saying they had businesses in places like Florida that they didn't have a business, they just got free money. 
Title 42 that has uh, been implemented since the pandemic has been, you know, a, making that a lot of immigrants stay in Tijuana for more than two years waiting their process to start. So what would happen or what would be your reaction if for, Title 42 finally lifts up and people are trying to get into the border um, irregularly? Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, uh, Title, Title 42 is unjust. And um, and it, it's just wrong. First of all, uh, those um, that are stuck at the border that are refugees, uh, they should not have to uh, they should not have to be housed in a different country. We should follow our own um, rational immigration policies. If somebody is at risk of being killed um, for um, whatever you know had happened back in their their native land, um, if, you know, say they were um, you know that their land was taken from them. Um, they already a terrible injustice has occurred, and then when they get to the to our border when and they're seeking justice, um, then the next thing we do is is we do yet another unjust thing. Um, separating families was a terrible idea, terribly unjust, and and why would we do such a thing? So, uh, what we have to do is expand our immigration courts, and so that way they can be put through the system and get their day in court as rapidly as possible. Now, I'm not saying that we should just open the floodgates to just anybody and everybody. There has to be uh, some, some level of control and there has to be a, a level of security, but also for those that, have, um, that are legitimate um, refugees, they should, they should be um, able to um, get their day in court um, then, and the immigration judge should be able to make a decision and they should be able to be brought into our country. And, and many of them will, will become, and probably most of them, most, most first-generation individuals who come across to this nation uh, become, uh, you know, active and participant, very, very good participants in our economy, um, business owners, hard workers. And so, you know, to, to perpetuate uh, the, these uh, racist stereotypes of, of what somebody from south of the border is, um, is, is wrong. And, and that's a lot of what's happening with my opponent, um, with the incumbent, you know, constantly going over to the border, uh, constantly, you know, saying how we need a bigger wall, a longer wall. Walls don't work. Um, there's always a tunnel underneath the wall. Um, there's always people going over the wall. Um, what we do need to do is, is we need to fully fund our immigration courts. Uh, we need to make sure that people are, that are treated justly. We need to stop separating families. Um, there's children that have been separated from their parents and we, we just can't get them back to their parents. Uh, also, um, the types of incarceration that are occurring, it, it almost becomes industrialized um, using uh, private um, prisons um, to put um, individuals who have violated no law. Um, and so it, it's, it's very sad, it's very sad. And with the climate change, there'll be more. There, there's gonna be more and more people coming as, as the land um, to the South becomes less and less hospitable. And this is occurring across the uh, across the world. Um, if you look at what's happening in Europe um, with uh, people from the Middle East and from Africa, this isn't a unique situation. And so another another aspect to try to make it better would be to actually go to those countries and try to work with their governments to to restore justice. And um, a, a dollar spent here um, is is much um, it doesn't work quite as well as a dollar spent there. Um, in those other and other nations, and helping them um, to have justice and and to have a a system of governance that that represents all.
And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad, but it's, it, there's a lot of racism involved. And that's one of the challenges with even speaking of this issue in, in the area. Thank you. You mentioned your campaigning and going door to door and the amount of time you lived in Santee. I'm wondering what sense do you have of the changing demographics of uh, your area? Uh, it's certainly a place where not affordable, we can't use the word affordable housing, but at least slightly less expensive housing is being developed. Do you, do you see that changing? And is that changing the democratic demographics uh, politically? sufficient enough to actually have a shot in this race? It absolutely, it absolutely is. Things are changing. And as stated um, by a member of the panel, um, there's more Latino, Latinas, um, uh, more black um, individuals living in Santee and, um, and they should be welcomed. Um, the, the history of racism um, in Santee needs to be overcome and in the East County in general. Many people are, are um, choosing to uh, self-elect to leave um, people who are more radical, and um, that's okay. They, they have the freedom to do so. But also, um, a lot of people are coming from San Diego proper, um, from over in you know the city itself, and they're moving out here. And so the demographics are absolutely changing um, in the, the makeup of race and political ideologies. And so it's only a matter of time. And so when I first started getting into um, being an activist, I consider myself more of an activist than a politician. The San Diego City Council was a majority uh, majority Republican and, and very conservative um, back in the uh, early uh, 2010, 2012, in that time period. And we can see over in just one decade, things have changed dramatically. And now we have a majority uh, Democrat run San, uh, San Diego City Council. Um, now let's look at the County Board of Supervisors. The County Board of Supervisors was uh, majority conservative Republicans for as long as I can remember, and times have changed. And now there's a three to two majority um, for, for a Democrat majority in the Board of Supervisors. And so this is gonna continue to occur. Um, we're looking at a possibility of an Escondido, uh, of that becoming a, a Democratic a majority, a Democrat majority um, board of super, or I mean, um, city council. Uh, La Mesa as well, even though La Mesa is not technically in um, California's 48th. And so this is what's happening. And, and it, is a, it is an absolute inevitability in the East County. And so this is what's going to happen. And, um, and over time, whether, whether it's this election or in the future, eventually uh, individuals like, uh, like Daryl Liza will, they, they simply won't be able to move districts like Daryl Liza did. He wasn't the representative here. He lost his district because things, well, I think he retired when his district changed and uh, Mike Levin ran against him and, and narrowly lost. And now Mike Levin is their congressman appropriately. And so that's what's going to happen here in, in California's 48th as well. It, it takes time, but um, you got to be in it for the long game. And, um, and I'm, my, um, my following is growing rapidly while Daryl Isa's is shrinking. If anyone else has a question, just raise a hand or jump in. But let me just bring you back to this corruption allegation against ISA, because that's a pretty serious allegation that it sounds like you're making without any evidence or anything to support his misappropriation of those uh, paycheck protection funds. Do you think he's corrupt? And uh, you're saying that based on what evidence? I'm not. A, I, you know, 
Unfortunately, it, it seems that um, that his track record of having been a car thief in the past, having um, been an arsonist to his own building, not being able to pass an FBI um, background check to be part of the Trump administration, his willingness to take money um, from uh, the first Coronavirus Relief Act, but voting against the Coronavirus Relief Act for the, the average man um, to, to um, vote against a woman's right um, to autonomy of her body, to uh, to say he's he's pro uh, veteran, but vote against uh, medical treatment for those who have been afflicted by burn pits, um, to uh, vote against uh, stopping um, discrimination against the elderly. I, I don't have every single piece of evidence you might need. But again, you're the journalists. Um, you can you can go and and figure that all out. And so he is um, not a good representative for this area, and he needs to be um, he needs to be gone. And uh, we need true representation. And uh, and he doesn't live in the district. He doesn't visit the district. He blows racist dog whistles. Um, he courted um, racist organizations during the last election, uh, organizations that um, absolutely do not like me, that despise me, that make threats against me. And I expect he'll use the same, um, he'll, he'll use the same playbook in this election. And I, and I do not fear that. Um, he, he sent out mailers with congressional funds. I received three of them. And uh, so again, it, maybe it's not illegal, it's immoral. And um, he takes money. Um, from the lobbies, and he doesn't represent the people. I don't know how else, how much more strongly I can place it. He is not a good representative. But to be clear on that, that you, I'm asking you: Do you have the information you can send us proving he, he misspent? Uh, I don't. I I know that I I read an article yesterday by the by the Times of San Diego. Um, I guess I don't have that. Um, I can look on my phone. I guess and but it was on Twitter yesterday. And so um, I can't say that he took the money and wrote the check and, and did it incorrectly. I'm sure he, I'm sure he um, shuffled the money um, using appropriate accounting measures. Okay, why don't you take 30 seconds and give us a close, focusing on why you, not necessarily why people should vote against Daryl Issa, but why people should choose you to represent them. Awesome, well, I appreciate that. I'm a registered nurse. I've spent my entire life um, serving the people of not only California's 48th, but of all of San Diego County. And I was a traveling nurse. Um, I have a love for humanity, a love for planet Earth. I am a person that believes in science. I am pro-choice. I believe a woman should have the autonomy to make a decision um, of how she wants to um, plan and raise her family. I am a son of the US Navy. I support veterans and I also support their care after they serve. I actually used to teach at the VA hospital. And so I believe that um, individuals that are afflicted by things like burn pits, et cetera, they should be covered. Um, and my, my grandfather and father served in the Navy. I believe that uh, we, we should be prepared for things like um, epidemics, like uh, coronavirus, monkeypox, et cetera, and that we should not politicize them. Um, 
I think that we should follow the science and, and not demonize um, those that give us um, the best information um, on how to keep ourselves safe. I am a, a coach. I've coached soccer. I've coached baseball. I've actually spent time um, mentoring children um, for many, many years. I've been a climate activist. I've stopped over a billion dollars worth of fossil fuel infrastructure that was unnecessary and saved ratepayers all that money. Um, I've been outspoken against racism. Uh, before George Floyd was murdered, I, I, was, I, I was on record at the Santee City Council um, I, speaking out against racism, calling it out in my hometown of Santee. I marched with Black Lives Matters multiple times because it's the right thing to do. And so uh, I do support the Second Amendment, but it ends at your front door. You don't need to go out into society fully armed in a, in a civil society. This is not the old West. And so I am the right choice for California's 48th. I am not an American oligarch like Daryl Isa, who's got millions of dollars to, to spend. I'm a nurse, I'm a working man, and I am the right choice. And people, when they, if they do the research, they'll know. And I really appreciate um, having the time to speak before you. Thanks again for listening to the San Diego News Fix. Again, you'll find election guides and endorsement guides online at sandiegouniontribune.com slash opinion. Uh, look for the guides in the upper right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.